first party data back in the day used to mean, well, you gave me your name, number, yeah, yeah. age, income, email address. Yeah. Now it's going to mean, I know your kid's name. I know what kind of school you want them to get. I know your aspirations. I know what you yeah. dream of. I know what you need therapy about. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Deep Learning with Poly AI. I'm joined here by Nicola, and I'm Michelle. And today we're going through three pieces of pretty interesting AI news that just basically hit digital newsstands. And I think that they might have a pretty interesting impact on CX. So we're just going to pontificate for a bit, maybe talk a little bit about how this might impact customer experience, how these kind of major progressions in technology, where they seem to be going. And just to spoil it, two out of three of these pieces of AI news are by OpenAI. So one of those is Sora, which is their text-to-video model that they just released. I don't think it's open to the public yet, but they, they released it in beta. No, no, I think they've let it, like the red teamers are working on it to see what risks it has and how they need to let it. That's something I love about OpenAI, just a sidebar for a second. <clears throat> the other one was, is memory. So just the, the fact that ChatGPT will have memory. But OpenAI, if you ever read their sort of like product release notes and like the marketing materials that they put around product releases, they always anticipate every bit of like fear and criticism that they might get. And they do it so elegantly. Like I I just loved on the Sora page, they had a section that was like, we know that this is going to be problematic. And this is how we're talking about it. This is how we're thinking about it. It's like they know their audience. They know safety needs to be one of their big headlines. I, I appreciate that. The Sora landing page actually has a video that was created of a guy running backwards on a treadmill. So the front of the treadmill where you're supposed to be facing is here and the guy's running in the opposite direction. Fantastic. Anyway, second piece of news is memory. And then the third piece is this release, the R1 um, Rabbit release from Rabbit.tech, who just put out like a, an actual physical thing that looks a little bit like a, a piece of like gaming hardware. But they are also calling what they've released uh, or what what powers it a large action model so this idea that you're taking um action like real world action outside of this digital thing and what's cool is it's actually embodied in a real world thing it's not a website that you go to to interface with ai it's an actual thing that you can carry around so that's the news and, and i guess what we'll be talking about today is how this how we might see these trends how we might see these leaps forward make their way into customer experience or make their way into our world, which is a contact center. Any initial thoughts just hearing that? Yeah, I think that if we go to our own slightly smaller universe of customer experience, I think that a lot of people, I've had conversations with, distinctly remember the CIO of a French bank who, having never really deployed a voice assistant, said, hey, maybe we could pilot this on our website with an animated avatar that people would talk to. And I was like, Maybe, but in reality, that sounds like a science project, right? And yep. I think we're waiting for the world of AR, VR that stalled for a while, but seems to be picking up again to really propel humanity into an era where we have better hardware for it, frankly. Because if you're already like, talking on the phone, you don't really need to see uh, an avatar for an assistant. Interesting. But I think like it's probably best left. And it will probably make more progress in the likes of gaming and other places where maybe education. We've played around with this in the very early days of Poly before we were firmly set on customer service. And it's interesting, right? And there's a lot that the agent itself, the ability to 
talk, hold these conversations, have, have memory as well. It's, it's relevant, right? But I think you have to figure out where that experience has a place. Yeah. First. But I think going back to the point you made earlier, the AR, VR kind of like developments that have happened. I think this is a really interesting point in history from a, a tech perspective where you have two, I wouldn't call them bubbles, but maybe some people would, but you have these sort of two big movements in tech happening at the same time. And one of them is generative AI, obviously the one of the, the main or like most common themes on this podcast. Then you also have spatial computing. You also have AR, VR. Maybe the, the hardware isn't there yet. But the idea that these things come together somehow to help better support a, a customer, that bag with the avatar, they might not have been onto the right thing just yet. But the idea that these kind of technologies help support a multimodal kind of support future it's, I think, super, super interesting. We're starting to see a little bit of those worlds colliding. Yeah, there was a bit of the pull towards it with consumer voice assistance, right? Where we thought that it would be important for the brand to have Alexa skills, Google Actions, and then didn't happen yet. But the way that we build voice assistance to be like part of the brand, you can totally see how I remember Raiffeisen Bank, like in Central Europe, has this animated chatbot with very... I think its uh, logo is yellow and black. It's very well animated, like it embodies them. I think other companies have done it too, like Bank of America with Erica. So obviously, like you actually go into the world of like VR and you have an actual person that is like your brand representative. Well, yeah. There's opportunity in that. You could probably imagine that celebrities will be paid a lot of money. 100%. A scaled sales rep for, I don't know, all state well, or something like that. You know, Progressive, the company, yeah. company Progressive, Flow, their avatar, like the company mascot. Yeah. I speaking at a conference a few months ago, just showcased the product, talked a lot about it. It was really like a fact-finding panel for people to learn about technology like ours. And the amount of times I got the question, do you think that you could ever sample a voice if you're selling for a company like Progressive that has an avatar already, that they have a mascot already that's associated with the brand? Could you scale that, basically? Could you make that work? across in this case it wasn't multimodal it was really just chat and, and and voice but there's a world in which maybe it's flow that's actually helping you select your insurance yep. walking you through that process and putting an overlay over your your experience on the website absolutely i think that's probably not that far off i think you have a lot of companies that make these avatars you can sing them a speech so it's probably right around the corner right i'm coming back to luxora it's, it's going to be interesting just i haven't seen the pricing model for it, but obviously it's a lot more compute intensive. And I don't know about you, but I've wasted, wasted hours designing like things with Ali and stuff. And oh, yeah. um, I'd love for it to work a lot faster. The main reason I haven't done way more with it is that it's slow, right? Yeah. Uh, and I've seen like people that I spend time with kind of start something and they look right and they, they give up. And it's like the AI nerd in the room that stays playing. But the voice is going to be like, oh, no, sorry, voice. The, um, the video is going to be a whole lot more demanding. So we might have to wait a few years until that's actually like easily usable at scale. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But it, it is interesting. I saw like somebody screenshotted a message from about nine years ago, I think on Reddit. And, and they said, oh, text to video. Somebody said, this world is coming. This like this world in which you see somebody do a prompt that's just text and then a video comes out. This is definitely coming. And they got flamed. Like the amount of comments underneath that was like, this is so far off. It's not going to happen in our lifetime, buddy. It was like the most condescending 
kind of response. And it was so many people just piling on this poor individual. And then that resurfaced. It's like one of those things. It's just who's laughing now? Like this is this Moore's is- law. Moore's law is merciless, right? I think that once you you cross like the, the belief, the capabilities of LLMs to generate this much stuff, like yeah, hell, if they can do a photo, it'll definitely be able to do a video. Sure. I think the whole aspect just of capturing physics, modeling the world in the right way and stuff, yeah, it's probably going to have some very interesting glitches. The classical dolly generated thing where you know an extra arm finds its way into the photo and it's coming out of your arm. That's like deeply disturbing. Like yeah. the video, we're probably going to see like much worse phenomena. Okay, like we'll, it'll be ironed out like quick. But the fact that we did go from Dolly just a few years ago to Sora, I think that is that's telling you a lot about the the rate of change here yeah. and the pace of development. I think it's really cool. So so when it, going back to multimodality and and support, like one of the things that I, I remember. Like having run this in a, in a very technical environment where people were struggling with parts of their website or parts of their code with glitching their entire site. And so we'd literally have to log in and sometimes do a desktop takeover, actually get into their computer and say, look, this is the problem. We can't help you. We can't touch your code because it's not. I, I worked for a company like GoDaddy that did tech support for web hosting businesses, so businesses that were hosting on our servers. And I, I remember that being like a legal problem, like we weren't allowed to really go in and change anything, but we could show them, we could do, we could remote into their computer and we could show them like, this is where you put a semicolon in the code and that's why it's not yeah. working. You basically broke the whole thing. And so we could show them stuff like that. And I wonder if like this idea that from our last podcast, where we talked about the call center being potentially fully automated, maybe even as soon as five years from now, probably yeah. more like 10, yeah. but let's say a world like that. You start to see and you start seeing like the input part of that, like being able to take information about or take in information about what you're seeing and put that back, push that back out and and generate something that's supporting whatever you're trying to solve. All of these things seem feel like they're coming together in a really interesting way. The rabbit announcement is the the part of the scholarly universe of that, right? Where like you have a controller like be able to do all that for you. Yeah. Yeah. What's the promise of the, the rabbit? You know, it takes in your requests and then it, let's say you have, I don't know, like a delivery issue with uh, a food delivery or something like that. Is it one of those things that's actually solving all sorts of problems just by being connected to a bunch of different APIs or a bunch of different function calls for different types of businesses? Like really, do, do you remember what the promise of it was? So I'm looking at it now and I think that it's, uh, it's there to use your apps for you. And I think maybe to abstract away some of the works you'd have mm-hmm. to do. So you could think of it, I think, partially as a bit of an API controller, right, for all of those things. That's cool. That's very cool. There was a company, I don't know what happened to it, but like one of those sort of, they were in stealth. They had a like very big, very overhyped beta. Did you ever hear of this company called Magic? Yeah. Get Magic, that you could text it and it would act like your phone's here. So it's, hey, I reservation at this uh, restaurant and I need to have yeah. the world's best car at the same time because I'm picking up the, I don't know. I'm, I'm going on like the date of my life. And so I need all these things to happen at the same time. And it was supposed to be able to go out into the real world. Uh, the promise was that as, as people do it, that over time we create like the right ontologies and things to learn how to do it with machines. Right? And yeah. maybe that's okay. Like when you think about uh, training LLMs, like a lot of it was done with like humans doing stuff repeatedly, like labeling it with positive or negative signals as well. Yeah. Or maybe, but I, yeah, I don't know if that delivered just yet. I don't think it did, but I've always thought, and like from the time that I was at Siri onwards, like I've thought about this, why Siri, why are people so dissatisfied with it, right? 
And you hear a lot of like vitriolic stuff. Oh, it doesn't work for this or that. But truth be told, for the things that like it needs to do, it actually works. You just know how to do something. So a bit of an interface issue. But a lot of that appeal, and I almost think that the word assistant didn't help. Because you imagine this entity that knows everything about you, that has context for your life, that is basically a clone of you. And I think we did the whole thing a bit of a disservice by framing it almost as a simple task in the pursuit of AI, GI, whatever, right? Where we were like, hey, we just need to build that. And then later we can, I don't know, go solve cancer or uh, deal with more complicated problems. Whereas the truth is, if you were to have anything like ideal end state of Siri, which kind of sounds like magic and I guess Rabbit is working to support their future. I like what they're doing because that's like a step that you need and like a way to collect data and create the interface, which is actually useful. But I think that it's almost an approximation of you and the judgment of quality for that assistant is really much more about did it do what you would have done? Exactly. And then you probably have even more inflated expectations because at least it can go and look at every airplane, like every way that you could get from city A to B and should know that you maybe don't like early flights don't mind layovers or your mind layovers. And it's just a really difficult thing to get right. I know whenever someone else is doing like planning for travel and stuff, I get annoyed and I would have probably been done a worse job myself, but it's very easy. It's hard to know like whether it actually did a good job, but that memory, like knowing your preferences and all of that, and that's coming to the open AI thread around memory, like yeah. it needs to know a lot about you, right? What, yeah. what you would have done in certain situations. And collecting those kinds of subtle preferences is difficult. And even if you have an EA and you work with them, I think that it takes a long time to actually like delegate things super confidently because they don't know the priority of different meetings. They don't know the the importance of this person versus that. They don't know that you'd maybe happily skip this one meeting to go have a beer with this person when they're in town. And maybe you would never do that otherwise, right? Sure. And it's very highly contextual. It probably right. depends on your mood on a given day, right? And that just then becomes damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? What's interesting, you mentioned an EA, so an executive assistant. And what's interesting about this and why I think Siri was a necessary stepping stone on the way to AGI and the way to what Rabbit's paving the way for is that people don't have real-world context on average for an assistant. They're not used to dictating text messages to somebody. They're not used to, like, having something that understands the flight, the best flights that they like to take or what they're willing to do on a day-to-day basis or from a calendar perspective. So, and probably the same for your, for that bank that wanted that avatar. People aren't used to seeing the support representative when they're making a call or they're chatting with someone. So that's not a real world context that adds value in that scenario. You have to teach people to want that. Fortunately, in my opinion, that that was never taught. I, I wouldn't like to see a digital avatar while I'm chatting with, with somebody. That's, that doesn't add value to me. But a Siri will and does and, and has continued to add more, in my opinion, as it's progressed. And I think probably the same is true for what Rabbit's doing. If we think of, they've called it R1. Presumably there's an R2 coming at some point. But the idea that they're teaching us how to interface with something. They're teaching us about human inter- and, and machine interaction that we did not know before, that we didn't have context for yep. in yep. the past. Whereas you, you have experience with um, EAs and you want them already. Already you have the expectation. They should be able to think like me in this moment, in this context, and then bring me a response I would have made. Uh, whereas I think the average person doesn't, which is why the consumer perspective of OpenAI and Rabbit 
are so interesting. It's so interesting to watch for, as a business building for businesses. Absolutely. You're exactly right. And for us, a voice assistant for an enterprise doing a task at scale can do really well and you can optimize it and create a really, really good thing. But yeah, on that personal consumer level, I think like the basic version, which is what Siri was for some things, it's, as you said, who actually has someone typing out their text messages? Yeah. One thing, and then you judge it against ideal performance, it misspells something, and then you're very frustrated. And honestly, like you probably just didn't do that anyway, because it's not the best use of it. But when you mentioned magic, that's exactly the promise. And yeah. I think it's just, we're very different people and you're spot on. The people have different expectations of what they would like to do. And then the usefulness of the thing becomes, can it get you in the loop in a way that still makes the experience a lot better for you? Yes. Because let's say that it used, I don't know, kayak and not Skyscan oh, yeah. for a thing, and one works better, and you're like, oh, but then do BA, and I have a BA loyalty status, and just the whole thing collapses, even though it might have done like a really good job. Yeah, it doesn't like, know me. Like, it doesn't yeah. have my context, which is what makes this memory thing so interesting. I'm like coming from like a customer data background. Yep. The, the thing that is interesting about this, or like super, super interesting, is opening eye, like one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing consumer products ever, it now will be a huge treasure trove of first party data straight from not even the customer's mouth. It, it's almost the first party data back in the day used to mean, well, you gave me your name, number, yeah, age, yeah. income, email address. Yeah. Now it's going to mean, I know your kid's name. I know what kind of school you want them to get. I know your aspirations. I know what you yeah. dream of. I know what you need therapy about. Like, I know everything about you. And well, let's see all the signs. Yeah, I think it's like advertising gold, right? Just that pictorial representation of Michelle. And the, the best thing is, there used to be a lot of talk of like the French privacy and stuff like that. Like, this doesn't have to have your name tagged against it. As long as you live in the part of the vector space that says, advertise this to yeah. Nicole and this Michelle. And it's a very highly dimensional vector space. It can capture... Yeah. Things where we have similar preferences and different ones. And it's going to be like a really valuable thing for advertisers. Definitely. Um, definitely. Maybe we're just cynics here because really what, what it's about is getting you closer to that like perfect assistant that can have yeah. all the evidence. But yeah. And selling stuff, right? Someone has to make money off of it. Exactly. And selling a budget stuff, paying for all the data footprint <laughs> that it's generating. But, fair, but yeah. fair. Very fair. <laughs> Yeah, I think I know, but I do think it's really interesting. Like the idea that in order to provide and it's and this is like an issue that I think most anybody who's thinking about customer experience is grappling with anyway, which is in order to provide a great experience, in order to predict anything about what you want and what you what we think you should do next, you need a tremendous amount of context. And the way it was done before is you tell us a bit of information and we'd extrapolate on top of you what what we think you want and who you, who we think you are based off of profiles yeah. that are really just in aggregate. It's not the, the promise, I think, of a purely like perfectly personalized, perfect understanding, perfect context about an individual. I'm not sure. Oh, no, I'll give you a counterexample, right? Yeah. So I'm in a hotel room. I came here, relatively new TV. So what do I do? I log in on YouTube because then basically my personal feed of things that like, keep me occupied for 10 hours, it's there, right? I don't want it to know that I'm like yep. a Serbian man living in the UK in my 30s because yeah, 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 yeah. I want to watch another basketball clip about Nikola Jokic. I don't, right? But if you show me everything about, you know, the Russo-Ukraine war and other things that I spend time watching, I want to see that in my feedback because I'm 
something that I'm following very actively, right? Yeah. Um, and it knows that based off of your behavior, which makes... Or having my full browsing history. I think if someone deleted my YouTube browsing history, so my recommendations get worse, I would feel separation from a body part at this point. So I'm on the side of have my data. If you're going to give me better yeah. product. If but you're then gonna people who use Google Maps without my history, yeah. they're just selfish because they're not contributing. Our hive mind. Love yeah. it. I love this. So that's the message to take away from all of this, guys. Like everybody needs to use all of this. Disclaimer, Polya will not use your data in this way. We're actually extremely friendly and we do not store any of this data, but I hope yeah. OpenAI does for the benefit of future consumer products. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and the, the nice thing is, uh, for the most part, this idea is, uh, that your chat experience is now going to have memory will not cost you more as a user. It will give you a much better experience. You can see already how it would just carry forward conversations or thoughts or ideas that you're you're having. There's a million ways where we can see this kind of get better over time, but there's a reason why I think things like, like consumer level AI products are so important, especially when you're thinking about them and how they change the culture, how they change the perception of AI um, from the consumer first so that enterprises can use them Absolutely. to drive. Right. I know, I think our small part in, in doing this, and so just as an example, we launched with a uh, bank in a country where this might have been the first voice assistant. And initially we saw like changes in behavior that we don't typically see like in the English speaking world, where initially there were first like some silences and then like later, like they just dropped and the yeah. engagement rose and rose as people like had their second, third intera interaction with the voice assistant. And that's just like reformatting consumer behavior. Yep. And we see much higher initial success rates actually in markets where people haven't had previous voice VR experience. Like I remember listening to some Polish calls where like people go on just immediate life story. It's not like your average American where one in five people scream for the operator immediately. And that's just like a different starting point. Yeah, it's interesting. Like we've broken the trust, I think a lot in the US around data and, and the promise that it was going to make your life better around IVRs and automation, the promise that you were going to get to your answer faster because we sacrificed, I think, for a very long time, the quality of that interaction in favor of the speed and the operational efficiency. And I think that now that we're starting to flip and there are companies like us that think about it in the, in the reverse, which is like, how can you maintain yeah. that, that standard? The trust should theoretically go up, but just thinking, just imagining, which is something that, you know, that, that example that you gave, you don't have to imagine anymore. In a world in which that trust was never broken, you could probably build up a lot faster by having these great interactions where people are like, oh, this works. Like, yeah. this is not what I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's prevalent with technology like around the world, right? Places that never had dial-up and started with ADSL have a, had much better internet for a while. And then like other places got fiber first because they were fed up with like weaker previous generations. So yeah, I think interesting. Equally, I think there's a large part of the planet. While the excitement of ChatGPT is huge, especially like in California and the UK and the East Coast, I think there are like huge segments of society that are not actually like using it in their daily life. And talking to my wife, she was at work and just testing it because she has access to it. She's like, summarize daily news. I said, oh, I don't have this information. She's like, it doesn't work. And I'm like, but it can do so many other things, but like, it doesn't work. It doesn't I think work. we forget that, right? Like, yeah, you, we're, you we're ask something to... obvious, it's an omnipowerful AI. What are today's headlines? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm trading on that. Like, as far as consumer goes, it doesn't work, right? So I think we as technologists and stuff, we get overexcited and we project, but I think there is no doubt. Celebration for user feedback is important.
There is no doubt. There's no doubt. I think just even though that Reddit user that talked about the fact that text to video was around the corner, I think e equally we could have been humbled by the idea that, yeah, sure, maybe it is, but it doesn't work. And that being the end of the conversation, I, I think that's we've all been humbled by thinking, oh, this is just right around the corner. Or I mean, autonomous driving above all. Awesome. Well, looking forward to the next conversation. We talk about what else is around sure. the corner, what other impacts we're going to see happening from AI to CX. It was always great talking with you, Nicola, and talk soon. Same. See you later.